Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you win it. We all have days where we step right in it. Here's my own mistake. Welcome to My Own Mistake, a podcast about the mistakes people make shared by the people who made them. Here are your hosts, Stacey Kimball and Christy Spatterford. Hi, Stacey. Oh my gosh, she said hello to me first. I I'm so did. excited. Hi, Christy. Hi. How are you this week? I'm okay. Getting over a cold. So yesterday I sounded like B. Arthur, and it was kind of awesome in a way. But um, Oh, I, I like B. Arthur. And then there's Maude. Oh, she was great. Oh, she anyway, awesome? I'm very excited about today. <gasps> and our Why? guest. Why, Christy? Who's our guest? Because we have a fantastic guest. He was actually one of the first people I met in voiceover when I went to conference. I think you were the first, but he was one of the first. <laughs> um, and he like does everything. So Torian Brackett is our guest today. Hi. Hello. Hi, Torian. We're so excited that you're here with us today. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> you are a man of, you do it all. You, <laughs> well, okay. First of all, musical theater. Oh my gosh. I am just loving this. So, oh, yippee, let's start with your musical theater background. Yay. Well, I really got the bug in undergrad. I had done a little performing when I was younger. I was actually, I was the lead in my sixth grade elementary school play. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Lots of great people get their start there. Yeah, yeah that's right. way back when. And then it kind of just stopped as I was going through all my other education. But when I got into college and, you know, I had those options open to me, I took a couple of theater classes. There were a lot of like clubs where you could do little musicals and things like that. And I was like, wait, this is fun. I kind of have a knack for it, maybe job slash career. <laughs> so, uh -huh. so I really leaned into it as like an upperclassman. And uh, I had intended on doing some other things. Uh, I, I was a linguistics major in college. And so I wanted to uh, teach English abroad and maybe work at the UN. I was, I was studying Japanese at the time. Um, oh, wow. But I got waitlisted for the program that I signed up for. And my life kind of like fell into this directionless void where I pivoted to musical theater. So um, while I was home in New York, I started, uh, I was, I lived very close to the city. So I was able to, you know, bop in and out and do shows. And pretty much from 2014 up to the pandemic, I was like bopping around working, which was really nice. It was really exciting. And I was working towards, you know, maybe Broadway one day. And then New York shut down. <laughs> so mm -hmm. oh. that was my musical theater career right there in about six, seven wow. years. And is that kind of what led you more into voiceover when the pandemic happened? Yeah. So I was sitting around those first couple of months like, this is great. Um, I'm sure it'll be over at some point. And then it wasn't. And so, mm -hmm. you know, realizing that I needed to be doing something particularly creative, uh, that's when I uh, pivoted into voiceover, which ended up being a really great decision. But you also mentioned that you may have made a mistake along the lines in your career somewhere. So we will ask you now to come under the dome of disclosure bum, bum, bum. and tell us. We, we do need a sound effect. There, we do. We'll we? come up with one. We do. We'll come up with <laughs> that. Um, we, we would like you to tell us about your own mistake. What do you think was your own mistake in your career? Well, when you're starting out, you know, there's so much you don't know. Um, so many things you wish you could have told yourself or just, you know, pulled yourself back. Like, no, don't do that. Um, I 
got really excited about meeting a casting director early on. Um, and they asked me, it was a workshop. I, I got to read for them. And afterward, they were like, hey, send me your demo. This was a, a video game casting director. And I didn't have a video game demo at the time. But I clearly, I had to get a demo out to this person. They specifically asked me to send them something. How could I not? So I went to uh, someone who I knew was producing video game demos that seemed to have a lot of recommendations for them. I was like, I need a demo. Um, right now, <laughs> whatever, whatever the cost, whatever we have to do, I just need one now so I can send it over because that's how I'm going to make it in this industry. Um, and they were very receptive, very helpful, uh, helped produce the demo for me. And I sent it to the casting director and I did not hear from them again for a while after that. And so, uh, I, you know, overall, I think it was just a little too early. I definitely needed to do a little more coaching. I could have saved myself some money if I did not go down that road. Um, But yeah, it was just, I was very eager very early on in my career and I saw an opportunity that I thought I could jump on and, you know, maybe it's not always the right time. Boy, this seems to be a kind of, this seems to be a common theme with Mm -hmm. not the right time or too much too soon. And, um, and I can see, I mean, you're, hugely talented immensely capable what was it do you think that turned your mistake into a not mistake what was the turning point for you well i was able to kind of use that uh, material that i had and show it to other people um that were then able to give me feedback on my acting style my performances and really help me see where i could improve and so it ended up becoming a learning tool Um, Mm -hmm. when all was said and done. And I have a demo that I'm much more proud of now (laughs) in that respect. So yeah, it was was definitely a very rushed thing, but it ended up providing the foundation to make something Mm -hmm. even more wonderful. Have you gone back and listened to that demo recently? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I should have, I'll have to send you the file or something so you can... (laughs) Listen to it. What I'm I'm fascinated by you. I have I noticed on your website, and we'll put all of these in the show notes, which yes. we always have to do jazz, jazz hands, hands when we say show notes. notes. But your website is is you have an excellent website. Mm-hmm. It's chock full of goodies, and one of the things I noticed, which is endlessly fascinating to me, because I don't do it, and I don't know that I could. Audiobooks. You do audiobooks. We love audiobooks in this house. <gasps> yes. <laughs> You've done quite a few. Yeah. When did that start? Well, that was actually my very first job in voiceover. I um, I submitted some uh, narration samples to ACX, and uh, an author reached out to me that was working on a uh, this urban fantasy novel about werewolves and vampires. It's called uh, Tainted Moonlight, Ooh. and it's this three book series currently i know the author's working on others that she has me in mind for so i you know happy to continue working on that but yeah that was my first job and it was a great place to start because audiobooks are such a marathon so i got a really good crash course into working with my daw and this was uh summer of 2020 so you know recording long hours in a hot new york summer booth and 
learning about noise reduction and things <laughs> that I really needed to learn early on. It was a great little gauntlet of, uh, of learning for me. So, and then uh, being a musical theater person, you know, audiobooks kind of feel like a one man show to me. So it's a lot of fun in that respect. I really enjoyed uh, playing all the characters. I'm just amazed. I've done one audiobook and it was very short. And after I did it, I went, I don't think that's for me. <laughs> so, I, but I did learn a lot from doing it. So as, as you said, all the same things. Um, but I determined pretty early on that wasn't the best genre for myself. I have a friend who describes it as uh, people who do audiobooks are marathoners. And the rest of us are sprinters. I believe that. Yeah, it's it requires so much pacing, so much time management, being able to, you know, not lose your steam halfway mm -hmm. through, and just staying interested in the topic. You know, people narrate everything from wild fantasies to boring self-help, or you know, you've got to find a way to make it not so boring for your listener, even if you yourself don't really care. But it seems to me to be kind of the ultimate in acting, really. I mean, we talk about connecting to a text, and that can be challenging in a 30-second commercial, but, you know, an hours-long audiobook is a whole other animal. Yeah, it's just it's just long. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so great. long, but so fun. I, I really do enjoy it. Super curious about your process, personal process. Do you read the book a couple times? to get familiar with it. How do you approach a novel when you do this? Depending on the project, with um with most uh, kind of novel, fantasy stuff, fiction stuff, you do want to read the book at least once beforehand, get a sense of who the characters are, where you might want to place some people in your voice, but certainly to know if there's any plot twists that you should be aware of as a performer as you're playing these characters or... Maybe uh, you need to know if someone has an accent that's specifically written down and you don't want to choose something for them early on that then gets described in the third act and you now have to mm -hmm. redo all your audio. <laughs> so that's really important for the fiction stuff. Um, Nonfiction, you might be able to get away with uh, cold reading, but you definitely want to be a good cold reader for those things so you're not constantly mm -hmm. stopping yourself. I think e-learning probably follows in a little bit into that category, some of it. Christy does a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you cold read a lot of your e-learning stuff? I don't. I make sure to at least read through it all before doing it. Um, largely, especially if it's something that's technical or medical, just pronunciation-wise, there's so much stuff I need to have ready beforehand. Um, you know, those 20-syllable medical words that pop up. Right, the foreign uh, words. So, and these fantasy authors, they're making up languages for their books sometimes. Right, so. right. Do you call them and ask them? Yeah, sometimes they'll send you documents about names and places and things like that. I love about your mistake that it actually had kind of a happy ending, as I think a lot of the mistakes do, um, that you learned from it. Um, because when I think of you, I think of you as um, how great you are at improv. Because like I said, where I met you was that first workshop. Um that I went to at OVC a couple of years ago um, that Portia right. Scott was leading. And I was sitting right next to you and I was late and you let me look over your shoulder at the scripts and everything. You were so nice. But we all went through our scripts once and Portia gave us all feedback on them and then what we could do to change them. And Stacy Torian was amazing. I mean, he oh, just went I and bet. did up this improv thing that was so incredible. Do you do a lot of improv, Torian? You know, I actually don't. I've taken like oh. one improv <gasps> class really? back in New York that I, you know, I need to just jump back into it and really get more confident with that. But I would have assumed you had done a lot. 
Well, you know, I think working on stage has really been helpful in that respect because, you know, when you're doing a live show and there are no redos, there is no punch and roll on the the stage. You've (laughs) got to just go for it and roll with whatever happens. And it really lends itself to the the improv sense where you're just coming up with stuff on the fly. And it's it's helpful to have a script for, you know, when you're doing musical theater. But uh you kind of just learn to let go, you know, wh- whoever's watching. Well, and now I also noticed um, that you've done some kids theater, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think the most memorable was this uh, tour uh, throughout the five boroughs of this traffic safety show um, that we would take to schools. We would get up super early and drive down to Brooklyn or Queens or whatever to some <laughs> public school. Mm-hmm. And do this show about these three kids and like a new kid comes into town. He's got his headphones on and he nearly gets hit by a car. And the the, the three veterans have to show him how to use his safety tools. <laughs> I still remember like the music is ingrained in my head that we did it so much. <laughs> so you remember everything. Ooh. So maybe you would like to sing a little bit Ooh. of that for us. Oh, I hope so. Dorian, come I think on, it, please. I think it's the perfect time. <laughs> please. Oh, boy. You might be the new kid in town. So here's the 411. You better look around. You need your safety tools to make it on the street. You need your brain, eyes, ears, hands before you use your feet. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was so good. So good. I love children's theater. I don't think there's any better way to reach kids, especially if they're the ones performing. Um, plus, it's a lot of fun. And I think it's an excellent way to learn theater chops. I honestly do, because there is no mm-hmm. harder audience than squirmy fourth graders and fifth graders. You know, they <laughs> that's a tough crowd. Let you know. No. <laughs> oh, my they goodness. are honest. <laughs> if you are not holding attention, they are turning around talking to each oh. other, shuffling in the oh. aisles. It's just. <laughs> you need to have thick skin for these kids. No kidding. You do. No, kidding. no it teaches you yeah. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do different? So I assume you have another video game demo now. Mm-hmm. What did you do differently? Well, I think the the current one focuses more on the acting than the voices. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the people talk about that so much in this industry that the acting is what's important. I kind of understood that on a surface level, Uh but the first one I did was still kind of like, look at all the cool voices I can do. And I guess I thought I was uh, focused more on the acting, but it was the opposite. So yeah, I I really internalized that on this second one. Um, And I I worked with Keith Farley, uh, who directed me for the demo. And yeah, he really helped me find those... uh, those moments and those dynamics that really just bring out, I feel like brought out a lot of the, the spots on there. So I'm, I'm very, very happy with it. That's half the battle right there. Being really proud of what you've done on a demo. I think yeah. loving your demo is so important in this business. Cause you have to want to, you have to be so, uh, proud enough of it to go to just hand it to anybody and say, yeah, this is me right mm-hmm. here. It can really affect you. Cause if you're not, you know, if you feel like there's things you can improve about it, that's going to be in the back of your head when you go to audition, when you go to mm-hmm. submit to an agency or a roster. It's like, well, I wish I had 
X, Y, or Z better about my demo. And now, you know, people hear that in your reads. Right. So it's true. It's exactly you got to love right. what you're putting out there. Uh, were you, are you from New York originally? Born and raised right outside oh. the city. Oh, right outside the city. Yeah. Oh, fun. Westchester's like right on top of the Bronx. So you just moved. Tell us about this big fresh. move of yours. So, so fresh. <laughs> I, got, I landed in L.A. in January of this year. Squeeze. Wow. I was house-sitting for a few months, and then I landed in my current home in Sherman Oaks. So it feels really nice. I've, I've never really lived by myself for any extended period of time. I've always had either roommates or I've lived at home after college, so... Yeah, this is a big adjustment, but it feels really nice. I feel really free to like try new things and just really come into myself as an adult. So I'm excited oh, nice. to see where that journey goes. Christy mentioned that you you two you two both like Vespa, so she has a Vespa. So you're going to get one. So ready to yeah. have a Vespa in this town. <laughs> yes, I think you need one. It's so much fun, and everyone oh. is happy to see you when you're on one. It's like carrying around two dozen colorful balloons. Like <laughs> people who don't give me the time of day otherwise see me on a Vespa, and I'm like a celebrity. <laughs> Like, I think what they told me in the store was you, you don't drive a Vespa, you wear a Vespa. Yes, oh, it is absolutely. Just, it's so fun. Are you an ocean guy? Is the is the beach are you a beachy guy? Did you grow up near the water in New York? I did not and I do enjoy visiting the beach, you know, during the summer. Uh I actually I spent a couple summers in Nantucket a few years ago doing another oh, show. Um nice. and so that was a great experience in getting to be that close to the beach all the time and during the summer when the weather's always nice. So we uh, we went as a cast a lot. Um, but I, I I guess I don't really go that often. But now that I'm in L.A., I feel like I, I have to, right? But everything will be better if you have a Vespa. Well, I've got to get my M1 license first. So I've yeah. got to like start studying. Oh, it requires a special license to have a Vespa? Yeah, because it's, it's technically, I think it counts as a motorcycle above certain speeds. Really? Yeah, the one that I have actually does not require one, but I'm taking the class this summer anyway, just so that if I, you know, need to upgrade yeah, at some point. Yeah, maybe you want to take a friend so. for a ride. Dom, my husband made, I got a helmet and he painted my helmet to match my Vespa. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I have like an outfit. <laughs> The best. <laughs> it's like Madeline Kahn in um, High Anxiety. Remember how her outfit matched her car? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Are you still singing, at least for yourself? De definitely at home. You know, the the theater, I'll, there will always be a special place in my heart for that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when I switched to VO, it became difficult to reconcile the, you know, four weeks of rehearsal, three weeks of a run for oh, like yeah. a $300 stipend versus you know how lucrative vo can be um mm -hmm. so you know when i can make the time for it and i hear there's a lot of uh there's a big theater scene in north hollywood out here so i you know i'd love to get back into it when the opportunity and the time oh, to do it yes. presents itself you must you must and thank you so much again for being our yeah. guest today. yes thank you thanks for having me take care of yourself and your vespa there in southern california <laughs> the vespa to come you'll hear all about it once i get it Yes, I want to see pictures. <laughs> yes. And I hope it's just a happy, continues to be a happy, happy move for you. Thank West. you. It sounds very exciting. Next week will be our uh, our season finale. Ooh. We'll see you all soon. Bye-bye. Yes, thank you, Torian. Bye, Thanks Torian. Thanks so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to My Own Mistake with Christy Spadafore and Stacy Kimball. I'm Vince Yuri, and I hope that you'll join us next time to hear more stories about more mistakes. Mm-hmm.